Okay, it's on. All right. <laughs> so here's Here our here's our podcast. <laughs> you want to tell them what it's called or? Um, it's not called Welcome to the Shit Show, but I feel like it's going to be a shit show. It's kind of a shit show. It is a shit show. Um, there's some horrors in this house. There's some horrors in this house. Okay, I'm Maiden. And I'm Fluff. And we well, got some stories to tell you. We got true crime and we got paranormal. And the reason we have weird names is because we're on a derby team together. So COVID kept us from playing derby. So we decided to do our next love, which is podcasting. Start a podcast about true crime and creepy things. We love the creepy things. Wine, yes, wine is a good And wine, yes, but not the Shiraz. That was not a good choice. We don't like the Shiraz. So we decided in order for you guys to know a little bit more about us, uh, we would start at least the first few episodes with a random question. So our random question today is, uh, Maiden, what is a, what was it? What is a horror movie that really fucked us up? Yes. Um, Mine starts kind of early and I wouldn't necessarily consider it a horror movie because it was Goosebumps. But Werewolf of Fever Swamp scared the shit out of Mm -hmm. me. I couldn't even finish the whole movie. But as I got more into actual horror movies, I would say probably The Exorcist. Yeah. I tried to sleep with my mom for like a week. My mom's scared of that one too. Yeah, I can't. Um, My horror movie that, I don't know, I mean, I think it's more like a thriller. I don't know if it's like horror, but The Strangers. Yes. I cannot. No, because that's like stuff that happens yeah like stuff like it could happen (laughs) yes it's it's real much more realistic than like halloween or friday the 13th um also though another one is um house on haunted hill i remember that one i couldn't go to the doctor i couldn't go to the doctor for a really long time because they kept saying like the doctor is in and like old-timey medical stuff is like (laughs) scares the shit out of me you're not here for it (laughs) no not about it (laughs) Um, another one, again, not horror, but it's a a more children's movie, The Witches. I don't know that Do you never watch The Witches? No. They have, like, this grandfather and grandson go to this hotel, and there's a witches convention happening, and he, like, sneaks in the room where they're having it, and they, like, peel their skin off and show (gasps) their faces, and they're witches. This is a children's movie? It is. What the hell? (laughs) And they end up getting turned into mice at one point. Mm. Fucked me up, man. Wow, that's traumatizing. Yes, it's on one of the streaming devices. You should. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> and they're doing a remake of it. Oh, yeah. It has uh, the chick from the princess movies. Anne Hathaway. Okay, <laughs> the princess. Gotcha. Movie. Yep, got that princess. <laughs> Okay, Okay. so we got some stories. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You can go first. Oh, crap. Okay. I knew you'd love that. So, but we both have, um, the neat thing, we have uh, local stories. Yes. So that's cool. Um, Local to our state, West Virginia. So this one happened just, uh, you know, right across the river. And it happened in the mid-90s. Why am I breathing so heavy? Like, I just got done. Like, we ran a marathon out. before we recorded this. I'm, like, having a panic attack or something. Breathe okay. it out. All right. Okay. Here we go. Out through the nose. Out through the mouth. <laughs> so, the story I want to tell you is about Nathan Brooks. And that's commonly known in the area about is uh, the Punchbowl murders. Man, this kid. Yeah, this guy. This guy, <laughs> This though. guy's a winner. 
So this takes place in 1995 in Bel Air, Ohio, which is about what, like 10 minutes from us, like yeah, right across the river. Not far at all. Uh, Bel Air is a small rural town. And I don't know why I put this in my notes. I Googled Bel Air. <laughs> okay, I've never like, been there. I don't I've even never know been where there it in is. my life. No, I uh, don't drive through it like every day. <laughs> I Googled it. And it's actually a village. It's so small. It's not even a freaking town. No, it can't even be considered a town. So the village of Bel Air uh, is a small town in Ohio with about 4,000 people. 17-year-old Nathan Brooks lived there with his mother, Marilyn, who was 52. His father, Terry, who was 53. And he had two brothers, but only one lived with him. He had an older brother, Jamie, who was 24, and he was married and lived in Columbus. Well, he's lucky he wasn't there. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Uh, and his younger brother, Ryan, who did live with him, was 16 at the time. So I couldn't really find a whole lot about Nathan's upbringing or his home life other than just a few little tidbits. But the Brookses were a seemingly normal family from the outside. But as we'll get into later, they may not have been, you know, as wholesome as they appeared. So, da, da, da. Nathan and Ryan both attended Bel Air High School, which is a big football school. I think they kicked my high school's ass every single year in football. Um, and I think I read somewhere that Nathan either played football or he had played football at one point for a little while. But that will come back around later. Nathan was described by his classmates as shy, quiet. He kept to himself a lot. He's pleasant and highly intelligent. A few of his peers said that he was a nice guy who liked to joke around. A classmate of his was once quoted in a local newspaper by saying he was a nice guy who did crazy stuff. So whatever that means. (laughs) Super crazy stuff, apparently. Mm, We'll get into that. So his brother Ryan was later quoted saying that Nathan drank and did drugs. And you're like this. I don't know why. I just thought of you when I wrote this in my notes. (laughs) He claimed to be BFF with Satan. <laughs> yes! Who isn't, though? I mean, really. BFFs with Satan. <laughs> I hear he's a really good, you know, gal pal to have, so. He should be drinking wine. I know. I feel like he would like a Shiraz. Yeah, he would. <laughs> so his, um, I already said that, his brother Ryan. So I only read that, though, what that Ryan said that about drugs and drinking in one article. So I don't think it's really confirmed if he was on drugs, but... With the crime being as horrific as this one is, I think you can't rule out something like drugs. You'd because... almost like to hope that he was right, on drugs just... to maybe explain it a little bit more. Exactly, yeah. So, on the night of September 30th, 1995, Ryan, his brother, was out late at a football game. And then he went to his friend Eric's house. And it was getting really late. It's about 1.30 in the morning, so Ryan decided... He was just going to stay at Eric's, so he called home to tell his parents. Wise choice, Ryan. Mm, yes. So Nathan answered the phone, and when Ryan told him he's just going to stay at Eric's, Nathan said, no, I think mom and dad want you to come home. You think he was pissed that he wasn't coming home? Oh, yeah. I think, I think yeah, we'll get into that here in a minute. I think he was pissed. <laughs> so Ryan, being kind of like a typical teenage kid, uh, didn't go home right away. He's like, you know, loophole. He didn't tell me exactly what time to be home. Joke's so on you. I'm going to milk this a little <laughs> longer. <laughs> and he uh, came home about 3 a.m. He's on his way home. Eric's driving him home about 3 a.m. Which, you know. If I was out at 3 a.m. when I was 16 years old, 
My mom would have never been okay with that. I have that in my notes that I would kick my kid's ass if they came home at 3 a.m. And my mom would have kicked my ass. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I can't imagine being 16 years old and be like, no, just be home at 3 a.m., mom. She would have drove to where I was and, like, just pointed at me and went like this with Mm -hmm. her finger. Heck, yeah. I don't know. The 90s were a different time, dude. Like, I guess. I don't know how we lived through the 90s. Our parents did crazy stuff. You ever see the car seat that your mom, like, would take you around in? Yeah. My mom still has mine, and she was like, when I had my kids, she's like, I'll just put your kids in this. Oh, and I'm man. like, no, ma'am. Nope. We don't do that here. <laughs> That's a plastic death trap. You're going to get a new one. <laughs> did they put them in the front seat? Yeah, yeah, they did crazy stuff. Sometimes you didn't even have a seatbelt or a car no, seat at all. No, just throw it in there. Just put like, in the car. They'll be fine. Not a, not a big deal. Nah. I don't know how we lived through that. So, it's 3 a.m., Eric's driving Ryan home. So, at the same time Eric is driving Ryan home, Nathan is hella mad, and he's on his way to Eric's house. Oh, he was going to go get him. He's going to go get his ass and drag him home. So, he gets to Eric's house, and he starts frantically knocking at Eric's back door. Now, it's 3 in the morning, and he's frantically knocking on his friend's back door. I bet his parents were super happy about that, too. I would be so pissed. So Eric's mom, Pat, answers to find Nathan looking really sweaty and out of breath and disheveled, kind of like how I am right now, because <laughs> I'm panicking that we're having a podcast. We're doing it. <laughs> we're doing the thing. <laughs> so Nathan's all sweaty, and... She's probably like, you all right? Like- <laughs> I couldn't even imagine what this poor woman is thinking. So he's out of breath, and he's frantically asking her where Ryan is, and Pat's like, dude, they're not here and she sends him away, like, I'm going to go back to bed. <laughs> I'm going to go to bed now. <laughs> so Ryan arrives home, and he finds just a horrific scene. He finds that both of his parents have been murdered. His dad, Terry's body, is missing its head. And his mother's body is all bloodied and wrapped in a bed comforter. Jeez. So it's unclear in articles I read what happens next. Either he ran to a neighbor's house to call Eric, or he used his house phone. But I read in some articles that his house line was cut, so the phones might have been out at his house. But either way, he calls Eric, and he's panicked, like, my parents are dead, you need to get back here. And Eric hurries home, he grabs his dad, and they head back to the Brooks's home. So they go to the house, they go in the house, uh, Eric and his dad, and see that, yes, his parents have been murdered, which, how traumatizing to see... Like, obviously, it's traumatizing for Ryan to find his parents like that. Yeah. But, like, can you imagine seeing your best friend's parents murdered? Like, it's not just two random... I couldn't see two random people like that, let, let alone, alone people that you knew and loved and cared and about. close to, yeah. That had to been so horrific. And he was probably in counseling for the rest of his Oh, my life. God. I can't even imagine. I hope they're okay now. Like, I, I tried to find, like, things, like, of what they're doing now, but, like, at the same time, I want to respect their privacy because... I yeah. can't even imagine going through that. something like this. So they take Ryan to a local fire department because at this point they have no idea who did this and why. They have no idea if that person is still in the house. They don't know where Nathan is. They don't know if he's kidnapped or what. Um, and they don't know if these people who did this are looking for Ryan or anything. So they take him to a firehouse and they call 911. So Pat... Eric's mom is also called and she tells Eric's dad, hey, you know, Nathan was just here and he was looking for Ryan. So now they know Nathan's okay. He's not kidnapped and he's not dead, but he's looking pretty sketch. Uh, Sketch, sketch. Yeah. I don't know if he was immediately suspected 
Um, but Pat seemed pretty convinced that Ryan, or sorry, that Nathan was looking for Ryan to kill him too. Now it makes you wonder too, like what would have played out if Ryan would have still been at Eric's house when Nathan showed up? Like right. what would have happened to them? Right. Would they have I, been part of all this craziness too? I have no idea. That's, I have no idea. That's horrifying to think about. It definitely is. So Pat then goes to the firehouse to talk to the police and... Because, you know, she has, like you said, she has no idea if Nathan's coming back there. She has no idea if she's safe. And I'm sure she was concerned for the boy's safety and all. So I get it. Like, as a mother, I would want to be with my son and family, too. Yeah. So the police come and they enter the scene and they described it as horrific. They were walking in and out of the scene and they're just shocked looks on their faces. So here's what they found at the house. Obviously... Given the gruesome nature of the murders, there's blood everywhere in this house. They think the father was killed first, but I want to hold off on what they found with him for a second to talk Can about. Can we hold off on that forever? I know. <laughs> it's horrific. But I'll tell you how they found his mother. Marilyn was first hit in the head with an axe, and then she was stabbed with a knife ten times. Jeez. Which seems like overkill. That seems excessive. That seems like pure unadulterated I, rage yeah i feel like an axe to the head is enough you didn't really need to right. stab her even one time right so now terry like i said before terry's body was missing his head brace thyself <laughs> yes brace thyself um so his head was found elsewhere in the house inside of a punch bowl Upon further examining of the head, they determined that Terry was shot three times at point-blank range with a family's hunting rifle. And again, with the excessive, like, one time would have done it, Yeah, but three times in the head. And I'll tell you more about the head in a little while and why they think it was removed and whatnot. They also found close to the bodies a ball-peen hammer and nails, but they don't appear to have been used in the murders. It was just something random next to the bodies. So, obviously, the first thing they want to know is where the hell Nathan is and what his potential involvement could be. So, I read that they found a letter, and different sources say that the letter was found in different spots of the house. But I don't, it doesn't matter where it was found. There was an envelope addressed to Ryan, and inside was a letter and a thing of cash. And the letter read, and I don't know if this is verbatim, but this is what another podcast said that the letter said. But basically, it went like, hey, it's Nathan. I've murdered two people, and I'm going to turn myself in. I've left you some money. P.S. If Eric or his father steals this money, I'll come back and fuck them up. But can we talk about the fact that in this letter, he says, I've killed two Two people, people, and not, hey, I've killed our parents. I've killed our parents. Like, what a little shit. Yeah. It's (laughs) like degrading them even more than he can't even call them his parents. Like, you didn't just kill two random people. You killed... Your mother and father who raised you. literally gave you life. Yes. So, he's a little shit. (laughs) I'm saying. So, more about what they found at the house. Obviously, now they want to see Nathan's room, uh, since he's, like, prime suspect number one. So, in his room, they find lots of satanic drawings, literature, diagrams, um, a book about Jeffrey Dahmer, and they find a list of names. There were a lot of rumors surrounding this list of names because almost immediately after they discovered the crime scene and were processing it, 
they had a judge put a gag order. So no pictures, no documents, no nothing was released about this crime scene. They didn't want the public panicked. They didn't want the public to know. They didn't release any information. So there was a lot of rumors circulating around this list. Uh, Some rumors claim that this was a hit list and that there were upwards of 30 names on it. But it's found out later, like years later, once they released all the information, that there were only 13 names on this list. But 13 names is still still, a lot of names. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I I mean, I guess it's better than 30. But this list had names of his family members as well as his classmates. Mother and father were at the top. And the next name on the list was Ryan's. So by Ryan. He he was trying to find him for sure. Yeah, for sure. So by him being this typical teenager and not coming home right when they said come home, saved Saved his his life. life. Yeah. That was a smart decision to make. Right. And he didn't even know it. He, he thought had... he was just being a rebel. Right. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I'm not coming home. <laughs> so the, there was also satanic drawings on this paper and some dates that were crossed out. Uh, but next to the names were different ways in which he planned to kill these potential victims. So, for example, next to Ryan's name, he wrote dismember and decapitate. Next to his mother, he wrote eviscerate and crucify. So that, that might explain the, the hammer and the nails. Hammer. Next to his father, he wrote decapitate. Now, I don't want to read the other names on the list. Even though they were just first names, these people still might be in the area. I mean, they have their right to privacy. So yeah. that, I'm sure it was horrific to find out that they were on this list. Wasn't it just like people that he went to school with? I though? think it, yeah, they think it was just like his classmates. But next to the other names, he had written words like molest, skin, dismember, and eviscerate. There was also a hand-drawn picture of Satan on this list with the phrase, Satan will show you peace. Um, I I don't think that's right. No, I don't don't like that at (laughs) all. I don't like that. Not even (laughs) one. I'm not loving that. No, not one bit. So later that night, they found Nathan sitting in his mother's car at a nearby cemetery. Of course he would be at a cemetery. (laughs) Like, where else would he be? Where else are you going to (laughs) go? Cemetery sounds good. Right. So when they arrested him to take him into custody, he asked the arresting officer, did my brother find them? I made a mistake and I shouldn't have done it. A mistake? Uh, it's a little bit bigger than a mistake Yeah, there. it's not like you just stole your parents' car and wrecked it in the middle of the night. No. Right. That's a mistake. So before we move on to his confession, I just want to circle back to the list once again to say that it didn't really calm anyone's fears in the community that he was arrested because there were a lot of rumors that perhaps he was working with other people and that the village of Bel Air had a satanic cult on their hands. It always, any small piece of anything relating to Satan automatically comes back to that. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Nathan's taped confession is 35 minutes long. His brother, Jamie, his attorney, and the authorities were present for it, where he described all the gory details of the night of September 30th. And I've heard the confession tape is really awful. I haven't listened to it, but I wrote down some highlights from other articles of what he had said. He said that he first killed his father with the rifle. He then hit his mother in the head with the axe and killed her and stabbed her, rather. He then took a hacksaw and cut his father's head off because he said he needed his head for satanic rituals needed to make him stronger. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Which that made me think of another case that I would like for us to cover one day. And it's actually the case that 
the movie Jennifer's Body is based on, and it's the murder yes. of yeah, murder of Elise Paul yes. uh, Pauler. Um, I remember that. Which, interestingly enough, that case actually took place the same year, just three months earlier, which I thought was oh, really creepy. That is super creepy. Yeah. So the boys who had murdered Elise did it in the name of Satan, and they had this whole like ritualistic nature about it. Um, but they did it in order to make their band Fans stronger. Better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ultimate rock band. Like, I can't even. People are so fucked up. (laughs) So, let's see. He said after the murders, he performed a black mass. Which I don't know what a black... Do you know what a black mass is? I mean, I'm sure... That sounds bad. It sounds not fun. (laughs) I don't want to go to one. I don't want to be part of that. Um, I was too much of a baby to look it up on the internet because I didn't want the internet to take me to a dark and scary place. So... If you know what a dark black or dark mass, <laughs> I'm trying to like dark pacify mass, it. Black mass. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of. I don't know. Maybe I need to know that. But he performed this black mass, and whatever happened during it, um, he was seeing if he needed to kill more people. And whatever was happened, that supposed to tell him if he needed to I, kill more people. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't know what type of ritual this is, or I don't know. But whatever is it happened, just like a casual, yeah, kill some more, or like like it, I don't know. Maybe that's what. His best friend Satan wants him to do. (laughs) Dinner with Satan. (laughs) So whatever happened during, he decided not to kill more people, thankfully. Yeah. Um, I guess he already felt loved enough by his best friend Satan. (laughs) His best friend. His best friend. He's happy now. Um, So one of the most fucked up things I read about the confession. Oh, not not the head in the punch bowl. No, that I mean, that was fucked up. But I feel like, I don't know, this is just like on a personal level, like so fucked up. But he said that he kept saying how much he loved his mother. Like didn't mention his father much, but like how fondly he felt about his mom. But that could explain, I guess, why he didn't go through with the crucifixion part yeah. of it. But, like, at the same time, you still stabbed after, your mom ten times. After taking an axe to her head. Right. You're still a little monster. <laughs> um, and obviously you didn't love your mom as much as you claimed to. No. But that also could explain, too, why her body was covered up with the bed comforter and the father's wasn't. So it, maybe that was a little bit of showing remorse for him. But who knows? He also said during his confession that he had planned on killing Ryan, but he chickened out, thank God, and left him money instead. Like, Was going to kill you. Nope, here's some money instead. Like, like fuck you, dude. two whole opposite <laughs> ends of the spectrum. Right. Like, uh, you just killed our parents. You wanted to kill me, too. But, okay, I'm going to spare your life and here, here's, here's some money, money for your Did troubles. Did say how much he gave him? Not that any amount makes no. it okay. I'm just curious. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, what's the point of mind, killing parents right? this day? I don't know. Right. What in his mind seemed like enough? Right. <laughs> I don't know how you would. What a psycho. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you rationalize that. So the trial took place the following year, during which uh, Nathan was just void of any emotion. He sat there like a freaking robot. And I found this interesting, but both the prosecution and the defense uh, said he did it. Like, neither one of them tried to argue that he wasn't guilty. Um, the defense never tried to present another suspect. How could you? Yeah, no, I mean, like, at this point, you can't. He was dead to rights. <laughs> yeah. But they never tried to present another suspect, which is a common defense in murder trials. But instead, the main issue that they were arguing was Nathan's sanity. So the defense obviously tried to claim insanity. They brought in three different expert witnesses, 
but the witnesses were split on whether or not Nathan was actually insane. They ultimately claimed it was impossible to determine his mindset at the time of the murder. One expert witness uh, was a neurologist, and he claimed that Nathan was a paranoid schizophrenic. He also claimed that Nathan had an abnormal flow of blood to the brain due to a past head injury, which could have been a football injury. So I found that, yeah, I found that really, really interesting because I've listened to other true crime podcasts where that's actually, you know, a thing. A big thing. It is. And, um. Head trauma. Yeah. Like, like the guy was completely sane and normal before the injury. And then after he just went, you know, cuckoo nut man. (laughs) (laughs) This complete personality change. (laughs) So anyway, there is this disorder called CTE. And if you watch the Aaron Hernandez documentary on Netflix, they talk about it a lot because that's what they think he had. But the biggest thing with CTE is that it can only be diagnosed after death. They can't determine if you have it when you're still alive. Oh. It's done during an autopsy, and they measure the type and severity of damage to the deceased person's brain cells. And that's from the Alzheimer's Association. Hmm. But CTE is the result of injuring your head multiple times. So, like, football players are constantly getting yeah. beat around in the head, so it's really common among them. The derby player got CTE. Oh, dude. I've had two <laughs> concussions already, bro. Oh, God, like no! <laughs> But uh, it's also degenerative, which means it gets worse over time. But many players who have been diagnosed with this postmortem have committed crimes like murder, but, you know, they don't know they have this disease or whatever, this head trauma until after they've died. And also a lot of... uh, uh, (laughs) I just totally froze. Words are hard, man. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the way many of these people die is suicide. So I don't know if that's the case here with Nathan. Uh, like I said, I don't know how long he was playing football for or if it was long enough to cause this type of injury. Um, but it's definitely an interesting fact that the neurologist said the lack of blood flow could have been a result of the injury to the head. Other sources say that perhaps his father was abusive towards him, so that could factor in as well. I don't have confirmation on this, but I've read a few different articles that said neighbors had claimed that he would rough Nathan up and he often came home drunk. So I just wanted to throw that in there as well because it was interesting and maybe could be an an underlining factor of this change in him and this thing that caused him to snap and commit this crime. Oh, definitely. So on the other side, the prosecution argued that he wasn't insane, that he knew right from wrong at the time of the murders because of his comments to the arresting officer about how he shouldn't have done it and it was a mistake, And the fact that he hid the weapons afterwards. Ultimately, Nathan was found guilty of two charges of aggravated murder and using a firearm in the commission of a felony. It took the jury less than three hours to give their verdict. And he was sentenced to the max sentencing he could possibly get, which is 43 years until he's eligible for parole in the year 2038. Uh, He is housed at a maximum security prison in London, Ohio. That doesn't seem like enough time. No, I thought that too. And I was like, that's such a weird amount, like 43. 43 like, why not 40 or 45? Or 50. <laughs> right. Uh, so, but I think there was like a big thing about him being a juvenile. So that might have been the... I don't know that he was tried as an adult. So that might have been the max sentencing for, for like a juvenile, a juvenile at the time. He should have been tried as an adult. Right. I think so too. So, well, that's the case. But I did want to touch on, since we're from the area, and we can sort of talk about the impact that happened... Um, in our area. 
But almost immediately after the murders happened, they canceled Halloween. Like, the murders happened on September 30th, like a month Halloween. before. So, like, I don't really understand the correlation between this murder and, like, oh, we got to cancel Trick or Treat. If they didn't know who did it and they thought there was still someone loose, that would make sense. But right. they'd already arrested him and they knew that he was guilty. Yeah, like, I know they thought maybe they had a satanic cult presence in the community, but like you said, it happened a month before Trick or Treat, and I don't know why their first thought was, you know, we better cancel it. I I guess I just don't understand how, like, Satanism is connected to Halloween, because for me, Halloween's not evil, it's, it's fun. Yeah. And I don't know why a lot of people connect Halloween with being evil, but, um... This was also in the midst of the Satanic Panic. Of course it was. Yeah. So, and the Satanic Panic is so interesting to me. I listened to a whole podcast about it. Um, and there's a great, it's called the Satanic Panic. It's a great podcast. Um, so if you're interested in that stuff, you should listen to it. But basically the Satanic Panic was a form of defense, but really it was like a cop out for explaining away all these bad things that were happening yeah. from like child molestation to people murdering people. Um, and it took place during the late 80s and early 90s. Um, but it was also like blown way out of proportion because they were just using it to falsely accuse people when it had nothing to do with I'm looking cults. at you, West Memphis 3. Right. Yes. <laughs> oh, something I want to cover so bad. Oh, gosh. I went down a rabbit Me hole. Me too. <laughs> me too. So deep. It pissed me off so bad. Oh, but my that's gosh. That's a story for another time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, anyway, it's just so crazy. And... And I guess, like, anything even remotely having to do with the occult just freaks people out because it's really just a big fear of the unknown. And I think that people think that if people are killing people in the name of Satan, that everybody's on the line. Like, nobody's safe. Like, it could be random because it's in the name of Satan, and that just, like, sparks this fear. But one thing I found interesting, and I heard this on the podcast, Bug in a Rug, which is local, which I thought was cool. They're out of um, Wheeling. And uh, they had this great episode on this case. They went a lot further in detail than I did. Um, And they're just a really great podcast. We should collab with them. Yes. Hit us up. Bug in a rug. We want to (laughs) collab. But they had mentioned that during the trial, the Brooks's house was intentionally set to fire, which led people to believe that there were others working with Nathan and they were trying to destroy evidence. So it really just fueled this notion that even though Nathan was sitting in jail and being tried for this, that the community still wasn't safe. Yeah, that they were still in danger. Yeah. Whew. That That's, was a wild ride. That was a doozy. <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> we survived one part of it. Yeah. I guess it would be on to me now. Yes, ma'am. What you got for me? Okay, so I chose the paranormal aspect of this podcast uh, tonight, and I'm going to do the Moundsville Penitentiary. Okay, so, um, the obviously the Moundsville Penitentiary is located in Moundsville, West Virginia. It sits on 19 acres and was ranked on the United States Department of Justice Top 10 Most Violent Correctional Facilities. Mm. Um, it was in operation, um, apparently I can't write because that sentence ends there, so. <laughs> it was an operation. It was, it was an operation. It was open at one point. <laughs> the end. Um... I think it cut the dates out, but it was, I think, 119 years it was in operation, Mm -hmm. and it closed in 1995, Um, but it still offers day and night tours and hosts the Dungeon of Horrors Haunted House every Halloween. Um, At one time, three inmates were housed per cell, 
And I've been in cells in there before yeah. during the haunted houses right. and tours and stuff. And I couldn't even imagine one or two, let alone three people in one of those cells. Yeah, that's They're crazy. Tiny. Yeah, that's crazy to me. Um, but in 1929, it was remodeled and actually doubled in size. Um, the prison housed some of the worst offenders. In the 1960s, it was home to as many as 2,000 inmates. Hmm. Which sounds like way overcrowding to mm-hmm. me. Um, and when it closed in 1995, it was still housing 653 inmates. Um, in total, these prison walls have seen 998 inmates killed. Um, now that ranges from homicide, suicide, mm-hmm. hanging, electrocution. But it does say from 1899 to 1959, 85 inmates were killed by hanging. Um, and the public was allowed to attend the yeah. hangings. You ever go through that gate? Yeah. You get there yes. and like you can see. Where, it, well, yeah. It you comes can, the, the, the door. Yeah. You can still see the trap door. It scares me every time I'm on a tour there when they, they drop it. I yes. don't know it's coming. And, and I'm like. still you're not prepared oh, for it. And then did, did they have a dummy? Yeah. Yes. They have so a dummy So it was actually a dummy like, There's a person. It's yeah. a person. But um, June 19th, 1931 was when that ended. Um, on this date, an unfortunate sir named Frank Heyer was hanged for murdering his wife. Mm. When the trap door opened and his full body weight hit, hit the noose, he was instantly decapitated. Nice. And yeah, the public saw that. They did. Oh. They were like, nah, we're not going to do this anymore, I don't think. Yeah. But they still had invitations. Could you imagine, like, this is an invitation to someone's execution. That's crazy. Yeah, it was mainly for, like, family um, and the victim's family if they were being hung for right. murder or something. You know what I immediately thought of, though, when you said there's <laughs> invitations? It's like, I'm planning a wedding. A wedding! That's <laughs> what I thought of, too! I'm like, super casual, like, oh, wedding like, invitation. I wonder what kind of font they use. <laughs> yeah. like, was it lacy? Is it fancy? You are cordially invited to attend what the was execution. The yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do they have the little tissue paper thing in there, like graduation announcements? <laughs> I bet they did. What is even the point of that? I don't, I don't know either. Maybe ink? I don't, oh, oh yeah, that's probably printed, true. But it's printed, not written. If it's handwritten in ink, that would make sense, but it's printed. I don't know. Fancy fox. <laughs> Anyways, um, so let's see. From 1951 to 1965, nine inmates met their fate by way of electrocution um, by the electric chair that was dubbed Old Sparky. And it was originally built, which I didn't know this, by an inmate named Paul Glenn. Oh, that's, that's fucked up. Yeah. Did yeah. he get the electric chair? That would I be told that would be a doozy. That's like, that's like the mob making people dig their own graves. <laughs> yeah. like, that's so fucked. That, that is fucked. Like, <laughs> see this? You're going to build it, but then you're going to die. And all your friends are going <laughs> to yeah. sit at it. Watch them. Oh. And then remember that you did this. Oh, God. <laughs> Could you imagine? I would feel so bad even though I didn't directly, no, egg, I, like, electrocute them. Like, But you built the device that kills people. Yeah. I would want to be in solitary confinement for life. <laughs> Me too. Save me, please. (laughs) Um, Let's see. At the time of execution, an electrician would actually come to the prison and establish the connection on one of three switches that three guards would simultaneously pull. Mm. So I don't know if they did that so that the guard didn't know exactly which one actually killed them. Like a firing squad, yeah. That could be, yeah. Since it was only actually attached to like one switch, but they threw three. Don't they do that nowadays? Because like doctors have to put people out now yeah and like don't they have multiple things where the doctors don't know I don't which know. one actually is the one that because you know doctors take the hippocrath or what is it <laughs> <laughs> i think i just had a stroke <laughs> the thing <laughs> yeah. the 
the thing. The oath. <laughs> On my honor, I will try. Like the Girl Scouts. They have to hold up three fingers. Yes. Um, is it... I don't, even, I don't even know what you were trying to say. I don't either. Okay. Maybe there's only one doctor now. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. And Old Sparky actually still is housed in the, the penitentiary. I think it's like when you first come in mm-hmm. to the prison, it's there. Yeah. Um, there were 36 men killed by homicide. Uh, one of the most notable and said to be actually one of the earliest reported paranormal sightings after his death in 1930 was um, an inmate named R.D. Wall. Um, on October 8th, 1929, Wall was on his way to the basement, like in the boiler room area, when um, he was actually attacked by three inmates for snitching on a fellow inmate. Snitches get stitches. Mm, yes, they or, do. Or, in this case, stabbed with homemade prison shivs. Um, he was stabbed and mutilated to the point he was later found in pieces. Oh my god, with shivs? Yeah. Like that how, takes, that's a lot. That takes some time. Because like, they that can't takes hard. be that sharp. No. I mean, because they sharpen them like out of toothbrushes and stuff. Yeah, and it said that he was attacked for snitching on, felt like, did the people that killed him, did he snitch on them or were they just their friends? Because like, that's a lot to do for a friend. Yeah. I don't know if oh. I would shiv someone to pieces for you. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> um, let's see. 47 men decided they couldn't handle prison life and died by their own hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually inserted a couple rando factoids throughout this. Um, this is rando factoid number one. <laughs> <laughs> In 1983, Charles Manson actually requested a transfer to the penitentiary to be closer to his family. Mm-hmm. They denied his request. <laughs> mm. No. <laughs> was he ever housed there? I don't believe he was. But he wanted to he be. He wanted to yeah. be, yeah. Because I know that he actually had some family... I'm assuming around this time in McMechan because yes, one yeah. of my friends in high school actually lived in the house that his mm. aunt lived in in McMechan. Mm. Um, I keep losing my spot. Um, the prison was broken down into four sections to house four different types of inmates. The North Hall, which was dubbed the Alamo, held some of the worst inmates. Um, they were being confined to their cells for 22 to 24 hours a day for crimes committed on the inside. Mm. Um, two murders occurred there. Main line, whoops, I tried to scroll up. That's not going to help me. Um, was where general population was housed. There was also a section called Rat Row, which I'm sure you can guess what was housed there. Mm-hmm. Um, they did need special protection, so they were housed together. Um, and then there was an honor hall, which was for the trustees, where they had de- decreased security. And I think they got some special privileges that other inmates didn't get, which happens a lot in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, these are just some different, um, shows and episodes that the pen appeared on. Um, and it, it literally says more rando factoids. <laughs> uh, in 2013, the film Out of the Furnace prison scenes were filmed at the pen. Um, it was Castle Rock's stand-in for Shawshank State Prison. Hmm. Um, external shots were used for season one, episode nine of Mindhunter. Yeah, I knew that one. Yeah. That's cool. Um, along with multiple paranormal shows, MTV Fear. Do you mm-hmm. remember that show? I do, yeah. My mom actually worked for the company that they called. She was an EMT. Mm-hmm. They had paramedics, like, on scene. And it was her company. Oh, like, she didn't cool. go, but yeah. it was the same company she worked for that, like, was at the prison That's all night. super cool. Um, and it was season one, episode one, and it was used in their pilot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was featured on the most terrifying places on earth, an episode called Cursed Towns. Um, in 2018, it's Mysteries of the Abandoned in 2019, and of course, Ghost Adventures. It was season one, episode three. I'm telling you in case anybody wants to go try to watch those episodes. 
um, Paranormal State. It was season four, episode eight. And it was even featured in a video game I know nothing about, but it's mm. Fallout 76. Oh. Um, now, on to spooky shit, as yeah. my notes say. Spooky shit. <laughs> we love the spooky shit. So, it is considered one of the most haunted prisons in the United States. Like I said, with ghost stories originating as early as the 1930s with Artie Wall when he was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a legend that it is built on old Native American burial grounds. Um, it Ooh. is directly across from the Great Creek right. Mound. Yeah, I bet which, that's true. To me, being that close of vicinity is reason enough for me to be spooky. Yeah. If not for everything else that happened there. <laughs> right. Like, so you don't even necessarily need to be on grounds. You're right across from them. That's enough. Mm-hmm. Residual energy. Yes. Um, uh, a full body apparition has been seen on multiple occasions in the maintenance area. Um, where in- or inmates normally weren't allowed in this area of the prison. Mm-hmm. Um, the prison guards was actually thought it was a person. They would sound the alarm and other, um... I think, did I say inmates? I meant prison guards. I don't know what I said. (laughs) Not an inmate. Prison guards would sound the alarm and they would go search and they would find no one. And this happened when there were still people in there? Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Along with the ghost of, again, Artie Wall, who has been seen in numerous occasions in the boiler room. Mm -hmm. And he has been described as a six feet tall apparition. They see him for a second and then he disappears. Dude, I would shit my pants if I saw a six foot tall apparition. Um, yeah, I know. This one's creepy too. They um, There's also witnesses that have seen a shadow man. Yeah, they talk about that on the tours. They yeah. have pictures of him. They I do. Think. And yeah. actually, um, I read a story from, a brief story from the woman who actually captured the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that she kind of saw it out of the corner of her eye mm-hmm. and she backed up. To take the picture and it kind of like jumped but not out of frame and then she was able to like capture that image. Oh. Yeah. I don't I don't think I like that. No. Not love The name much. Shadow Man just already sounds yeah. spooky as hell. Yeah. I don't like that. But he is said to um, lurk in dark places as a Shadow Man would. Well that's good. Throughout the prison and he has no visible features and is said to be very intimidating. Like people just get eerie vibes mm-hmm. from him. Um. Some of the prison's um, hot spots are said to be the chapel, the shower cages, death row, and the north wagon gates, which is where the prisoners were taken before they were executed, mm-hmm. and the sugar shack. Mm-hmm. Yes. You hear so many stories about yes. the sugar shack. And you know, they took that out of the tour, I think. Did they? Yes. When I was that younger. That was like one of the spots. Yes. When I was younger, they took you down to the sugar shack, but I went in college with a few people that weren't from the area. And they didn't take us down there, and I was really disappointed. I why. But I think they said that they keep a lot of their... Well, I think you do get to do it on the paranormal tour, because they have, like, just a regular tour. And then, and then like, they have the paranormal, yeah. like, so overnight I think, stuff. Right? I think they save that for the ghosty things, so... Uh, as they should. Yes. But I know, like, they have, like, some creepy, like, paintings on the wall. And yeah. I don't think they're supposed to be creepy. But they're creepy, But yeah. they're creepy as hell. Yeah. Um... Uh, I went too far. Um, it, it was the rec room for the inmates. Like, it housed pool tables and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, it also saw a lot of gambling, fights, and even rape. Oh, God. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. And not that any of this is good. No, but, but that's... That's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, people are said to hear talking and whispering and arguing when they're in the sugar shack. Um, one witness says he saw a light anomaly that formed into a, a man. Mm. And the man looked like he was crouched down and digging. I don't know what he would have been digging at. No, that's... Strange. But, yeah. Hmm. Another man who worked at the prison says he was grabbed violently on the arm while he was in the sugar shack. And if... I mean, if you've been there, you'll know. 
especially with not like it's just a, a big empty room right so yeah. it's not like there could have just been someone like standing behind him mm-hmm. or like it's literally an open room yes so that's even creepier um visit visitors and staff report seeing apparitions smelling unpleasant odors hearing strange noises and echoes but like odor, what what kind of unpleasant odors i don't know what? I, i've heard that on I other need to elaborate on that. yeah i don't know i don't either well, like, I heard in one podcast where, like, if it's a woman apparition, like, in some of, like, these hotels and stuff, like, people smell, the, like, the scent of roses or something. Like, like the perfume? Yeah, like, her perfume. Type yeah. Stuff. yeah. So this must be the opposite of that. <laughs> the opposite <laughs> of roses. <laughs> what is the opposite of roses? Oh. Um, feelings of being watched, um, strange noises and echoes, being brushed, tapped, or sometimes even shoved. Mm. Um, and there was even something I read that said that they heard um, a disembodied voice saying, help, I am trapped. Oh. Don't love that. No, I'm not loving it. No, not at all. Um, ghostly mist, faces, figures, and orbs. Um, even prisoners still in uniform that just casually disappear into the wall. Hmm, that's good. Super normal. Yeah. yeah. At least they're going away from you, I that's guess. That's true. True, true. Yeah. yeah. Um, the circular entrance gate that separated incoming prisoners from the warden's living quarters sometimes just turns by itself. That's not N- freaky at no. all. And you, you can, that can't be light. No, that, there's like, like iron. iron. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. Just say I, don't the same time? I don't know. I don't know. Morphing. No. <laughs> Morphing. Um, do do do. Inmate William Red was his nickname. Snyder um, was disliked by many inmates and eventually attacked and stabbed 37 times in front of his cell and he is now said to haunt his cell which i mean i see why i mean yeah again overkill why do you ever need to stab not that you need to stab somebody ever but like 37 times i'm pretty sure they're dead but like that takes reminds me of the movie clerks 37 times (laughs) in a row and you have no idea what i'm talking about oh wow somebody else will though okay yes somebody will know yes (laughs) okay anyways the North Wagon Gate um, is where execution gallows were held, mm-hmm. and it is said to house some of the most active spirits, as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, p- people feel like evil type feelings and feelings of being watched, um, along with the gallows trap door opening as if someone is being actively like That's executed. Creepy AF. <laughs> Could <laughs> you randomly even imagine? <laughs> well, like it's when... creepy enough when you know it's gonna happen, but just out of nowhere. Oh my god. And if the dummy's attached? <laughs> do you think he's always attached? I don't know. Or they just do that when they know a tour is coming through. I, I, I feel like that... they... Maybe they just leave him. Maybe. Oh why, my, why can you we... imagine a dummy <laughs> just randomly? Falling. Especially if you're doing the ghost tour in the middle of the night and it just falls in front of you. Uh, no. Nope. Don't I'm out. That. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go three hours ago. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, the last thing... Um, is um, there was actually an EVP that was said to be captured that says, come meet the devil. Nope, nope, nope. So um, maybe you can be Satan's BFFF if you do that maybe. too. Maybe. I, I feel like Satan has enough BFFs. He has enough he, he's, he's good. He's good. You don't need to yeah. come meet the devil. That's fine. Just stay where you are. Um, but obviously there's plenty of reasons why this place is haunted. If, like I said, not even just for the burial grounds, that would be mm-hmm. enough. That would be, yeah. But, like, 900 and almost 1,000 people were killed there. Like, mm-hmm. eh, some crazy shit's about to go down. I, yeah. Yeah. But they do also, like we said, they have, like, the overnight ghost tours. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they do day tours too if people don't want to be there at night. Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like even just for the history of it, not even including the paranormal, it's definitely like a place to visit. I thought it was cool. Yeah, I thought, yeah, I've been there a few times. Yeah, me too. And um, yeah, it's definitely a cool place to go. And another random factoid before I end Yay. my story. Um, my grandfather was actually deputy warden at the pen. Yes. Yeah, so and cool. I'm very, very sad that I wasn't interested in these types of things enough to ask him questions before he passed away. Cause mm-hmm. I think he would have some really cool stories for sure. Yeah. But I think that would have been awesome. Yeah. That's all I have. Yay. That was a good one. It was. That's definitely a creepy place. It, yeah. And I, it was hard to find like specific stories from people that had experiences there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I did get some little random bits of things that were experienced, which is freaky enough in itself. We yeah. don't need full stories. <laughs> right. True. But, you know, we might be able to do a follow up because, you know, my fiance Slam, her dad worked there. So he said he's going to call some of his buddies and see if they have it. Any cool, creepy stories? I would stories. love to do a follow-up. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah, that would be super cool. Also, where did Slam go? Like, did we bore her to death? <laughs> Yo! She was woman. in here. <laughs> she said goodbye. She, she did. She totally did. The fuck? It's 9 o'clock! <laughs> <laughs> when did you turn into an 83-year-old? She's been an 83-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> she's an old lady. Leave her alone. Yeah. She says from the bedroom. Well, at least she's not asleep. True. We must have been bothering her. Unless she wasn't asleep and me yelling just go crouch. <laughs> In that case, she's probably a cranky 83-year-old woman. <laughs> okay. All right. So well, that's our show. That's the first show. We did it. We did the thing. It wasn't even that bad. No, it was really fun. It was fun. So um, I really don't know how to end these things because normally after podcasters tell their stories, I... Just, disengage yeah <laughs> so we, we never thought of this part of i it. didn't we didn't think this part through so i guess we'll see you later or see you in another time hey <laughs> bye-bye bye <laughs>